you doing? Okay, that wasn't real good. Um, sorry it was snowing this morning, okay? Isn't it nice to look at the forecast and know that it's going to stop in May, right? So uh, it's going to stop. It's, I, I promise uh, spring is, is here and it's going to get warmer. How many of you, uh, you're, you're kind of demented in your brain and you actually like tests like when you're in school you're like you're you remember the kid remember the person in school there you always had one person at class when the teacher would have a pop quiz and that one person would go yeah pop quiz like those right and then you'd, you'd pummel that person after class um uh some of you are really good test takers and others of you here are not good test takers i mean what what is the it, it, some people just get frantic when a test comes and and it just it's not maybe that you don't know the material it's just taking the test makes you really nervous and and what is the purpose of a test well the the reason for a test is to to test your knowledge on a certain subject some tests are more important than others some are more difficult than others you know a driver's test hopefully for many of you wasn't that hard and you eventually passed your driver's test, and then you took your road test, and, and you took that. Um, how many know that just because you have your driver's license doesn't necessarily mean that you're a, a, a good driver? Amen. Not to mention any names, Ruth Brooks. But anyways, um, I'm teasing you, Brooke. I'm teasing you, Ruthie. We love you. And, and some tests are really, really crucial. How many of you... When you get into a plane and you're ready to take off, you want to make sure the pilot, he or she, has passed all the requirements to fly the plane. Can I get an amen there? You, you want to make sure they're not going to crash the plane in, into the ground. The, the question I want to ask you this morning is, does God test us? Now, now we know that God doesn't tempt us. The book of James tells it very clearly, but at times God will test us. In fact, the word temptation in the Bible can also mean trials. And, and you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, pastor, isn't it? And you know, the, the, when the Lord taught the disciples to pray in the Lord's prayer, didn't he say, do not lead us into temptation? What does that mean? Well, this is best understood this way. This is understood that the believers actually asking God to lead us away from evil or things that can hurt us and avoiding the consequences of sin altogether. So the question is, does God test us? Does he allow trials to come into our lives? And the answer simply is yes. So let's pray and let's go home. Okay, no, let's figure this out. How, why does God allow testing or trials in, in our life? And, and I wish... I wish there was a simple answer. I, I wish there was some formula that we could just pray and, and not have to feel the effects and the pain of trials and tests in our lives. But the question we need to ask is why? Why am I going through this? God, if you could just give me the answer or to get me out of this pain or difficulty as fast as you could, that would be great. Is there some formula or quick prayer that I can pray? How many of you know it's just not that Easy. In fact, in the book of James, in, in, in the very first verses, in the first chapter of James, he talks about the testing of your faith. And I want you to hear what James says here. He says, count it all joy 
my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. This means any kind of trial. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There's a reason here, James is saying, that we go through this trial or testing. There's something that God is trying to do to develop in our lives that we will trust God more. And the best avenue for God to implement this in our lives is through trials and testing. It's a testing of our faith that there's a reliance that we have on God more than the things of this world. So yes, God will allow these things to happen in our lives. God will give us exams so that our faith will be strengthened and it will be seen as genuine. Now, now here's the result of that. There's a deeper growth in God and there's a joy that comes from it actually or a joy to look at that trial and circumstance knowing that God is doing something deeper in my life that he actually wants me to know his blessings and to grow deeper in him and to have a greater trust in him than I would have if those trials weren't present in my life. Amen? It, it, and I, 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 please hear me. I'm not saying that it's easy or that it's, it, it's something that it's not difficult to go through. But God gives us exams so that our faith will be strengthened. In fact, the word there, steadfastness, that, that James uses means to preserve. It, it, it means to have endurance. It, it literally means to bear under the circumstance where, where you are able to bear that load with the strength of the Lord. Now, I was thinking about that when we were, um, when I was all by myself on the roof, shoveling off the five feet of snow off the Narthex route. No, I'm lying. There's other people that helped me. Everyone teased me. They say, hey, you put that picture on Facebook, Pastor. And I didn't see anybody else in the picture. It was like only you on the roof shoveling the five feet of snow. There's a whole bunch of other people that helped. Thank you very much. But I was thinking about that. This roof that's over our Narthex was had tons of snow on it. And basically the, you know, the, you know, that, that roof was strong enough at that point, hopefully before we got all the snow off to, to bear the weight of, of that tons of snow that was placed on it. Well, this is the same picture of steadfastness. What, what James is telling us is God is going to give us strength there's going to be a steadfastness. Listen to me. Listen to me, 830 people, because you're tired and it was snowing and you're all depressed. So wake up and be joyful this morning. Amen? Okay. So listen, Here, here's what it is. It's saying, listen, through trials, through testing, I'm going to give you a strength to be able to bear the load of that trial with my strength, not only will I give you the strength so that you're not just like, oh, here comes another trial. I'm going to bear the load. Thank you, Jesus. My cross to bear. Suffering for Jesus, right? That, that's not the attitude. He's saying, actually, I'm going to give you a joy that's going to say, I, God, thank you for this trial because I know that you're going to give me the strength to bear under this because I know that you're causing my faith to grow deeper in you. So God will strengthen you. He, you will be able to bear under the circumstances. You will make it. It reminds me, I remember as a kid watching the Olympics, one of the things I loved to watch was the weight lifting. Now, I don't even know if they show that on TV anymore, 
But I used to love these huge Russian guys, right? Yergey, Yergey would get up there. I don't even know if that's a Russian name, but it sounds Russian. Yergey would get up there and, and they would do this clean and jerk. Remember that? And they take all this weight and then they go like this and their faces would be all red. And then they'd, then they'd go, right? And they'd have to hold it. Is anybody with me this morning? I was like, Pastor, I don't even know if that's the Olympic event. It is. So they're holding it and they're like this. And then the, whatever happens, and they drop the weights and things go boom. You know, they're really heavy. I was actually looking it up and the record for someone doing the clean and jerk, lifting weights like this and then holding up like this is 581 pounds. 581 pounds. Somebody lifting over that. that that's the clean and jerk. I would think you've got to be a jerk to do that. But anyways, it's the clean and jerk, right? The lifting over the head. So listen, it's the same thing. Trials help us. They're actually given to us to actually to strengthen us to stand under the weight of the circumstances, whatever they may be. God will give us the ability to do it and to persevere and to do it with steadfastness so that you're able to bear the weight of that trial. Now, there's one person as we've been looking at, as we've been going through the whole Bible, through the story, we're now in the part of the story where we see this person named Paul, who used to be called Saul. And this person of Paul is an amazing figure that we read in the New Testament. And, and I want to look into the person of Paul as we saw on the video, because the reason why I want to look at Paul is this is a, a person... If we do a character study of Paul, it's amazing his life and what he endured for the gospel's sake. And, and not for his sake, not for his glory, but he has written for us through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we have written for us in the New Testament, what he endured for Jesus Christ. And it encourages us and what he wrote to the churches that, that he helped start and, and, and how he encouraged them because many of them were going through trials and persecution and, 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 and Paul's life was on the line many times and laying his life down for Christ. And I just want to look at a couple passages here of how Paul endured and what he wrote to us and what he wrote to the church to be consistent in your walk and not to give up under trials and persecutions. And, and this person of Paul is a, is a major figure in the New Testament. In fact, he wrote 13 of the 27 books that, that we know for sure under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, half of the books were written by Paul in the New Testament under the inspiration of the of the Holy Spirit. Paul went through so many trials. He endured criticism. He endured pain. He endured persecution. He understood that through these trials, it allowed him to draw closer to Christ. And we can learn so much from the person of Paul. Let me just give you a little background of Paul. Uh, if you don't know this, this is very important for us to understand because this, this gives some weight to, to what Paul went through and, 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 and how much his life mattered to Jesus Christ. Paul was a very educated man. He, he was zealous in the Jewish faith to the point where he approved the stoning of Steve, Stephen, who was the first Christian who was martyred for Christ. He pursued Christians, Paul did, uh, because he thought that they were a threat. He actually targeted Christians, dragging them, dragging them off, putting them in prison. He basically wanted them gone. He wanted them eradicated. Paul had an encounter, though, with the Lord Jesus as he was on one of these uh, murderous pursuits 
to seek out Christians and followers of Christ on the road to Damascus. He had this encounter with Jesus Christ that changed his life. And we know that the word of God tells us that Jesus said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? You're actually persecuting me, not just these people, but you're persecuting me. And Paul now in that, that radical transformation, uh, that, that radical encounter with Jesus Christ becomes a follower of Christ. And now he is a Christian and the very same people he was persecuting, he now becomes one of them. God's amazing, isn't he? It just, it, it, you see a complete turnaround. And now instead of persecuting those very followers of Christ, Paul now becomes the persecuted. And so he lays his life down for the sake of Christ. And as we read through the New Testament, as you, as you read through that, you can see Paul's missionary journeys. There's three of them that are described for us in detail in the book of Acts of Paul traveling around starting churches, um, just his daily life and what he encountered as he was spreading the message of Christ and how Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and he is the one that has come into the world as the Messiah to change the world, to come and seek and save that which was lost, to save man from their sins. And we can read about all this in the book of Acts. And I want to look at just two things in the life of Paul that I think we can learn from, that we can glean from this morning in our own lives. Here's a couple of things I want us to learn about. First of all, Paul endured a tremendous amount of criticism. And, and, and I want to look at this real closely because um, as you read through the book of Acts, you can see that Paul's life and, and preaching the gospel did not come easy. It came with a tremendous amount of resistance where Paul could have easily said, you know what, this, this is not what I signed up for. When I was a Pharisee and educated, I was well-respected. People looked up to me. I was wealthy. I had all these things, and I've given them up for you, Jesus, and I've given this stuff up for you, and now my life is just persecuted, and people want to kill me, and, and this is not what I signed up for. But that wasn't Paul's attitude. Paul understood something about his relationship with Christ that he knew when he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He knew that it was going to come with resistance. It's going to come with criticism. Not everything is going to be hunky-dory. Not everything is going to be perfect in our life. But Paul knew that through, those, through the criticism and through the suffering, that he was doing it for Christ, and Christ was giving him the strength to endure those things. And Paul counted it as gain. Paul counted it as something, to, as a privilege that he could do this for Jesus. And he counted the criticism and the suffering as actually being a privilege, not a negative thing for following Jesus Christ. So let's, let's look at a couple passages here and let's understand what Paul went through. And uh, so first I want to look at Acts 14, the first seven verses. Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas was a traveling companion with Paul as they traveled through that area around the Mediterranean, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the book of Acts basically is, is a book of the Acts of the Apostles through the power of the Holy Spirit as they traveled around uh, the Mediterranean, sharing the gospel. So if you've got your Bibles or if you want to look up here, let, let's look at uh, first this, this um, trial that, that Paul endured and the criticism that he endured. And here's just one example of what he had to endure. He says, Now in Iconium, 
They entered together into the Jewish synagogues. And this is where they would go first. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, but he would first enter the Jewish synagogues and speak the word of God to his fellow brothers. And he spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So, so here's the criticism that Paul endured as he's traveling. And so they remained there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, some sided with the apostles. And when, they went, and when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. So now this criticism, this, this vengeance towards Paul, now it, it, it begins to rise. Now they're to the point where like, okay, we don't like you anymore. Too many people are turning to Christ and now they just want to kill him. And so they learned and they fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lycaconia and surrounding country. And, and look at verse seven, because here's what's so important. And there, they, they didn't give up. They didn't say, okay, now we're going to be stoned. So we're just going to give up because it's getting too hard. They leave, but what do they do? They continue to preach the gospel. Under this huge criticism, severe opposition, they continue to preach the gospel. Now, most places that Paul faced, he faced opposition and criticism. So what's interesting about Paul is he didn't really care about his reputation. It, it came to the point that they wanted to kill him and stone him. So, so what's the reason for the criticism? Well, Paul was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and who Christ was. And, and what I like about this is he didn't give up. He, he didn't give up when it wasn't popular, right? It's easy to do something when it's popular. It's easy to do something when we're not faced with criticism. But when we're faced with criticism and then we're faced with opposition, are we still going to do the same thing? And I always remember this story when I was a youth pastor there was this huge movement. It's still going on today. It was a movement that was started by teenagers and it was called See at the Pole. And there's this one teenager who said, you know what? I want to pray for my country. I want to pray for my school. And so what they did was they set this day aside in September. And they said, we're going to go to our flagpole and we're going to pray. And we're going to set aside this day in September and we're just going to pray. And this one school started, this one student started and they began to pray. And this great movement happened throughout our whole country where you had thousands upon thousands of young people on a day in September called See at the Pole going to their flagpole and praying for their school. Now, I remember hearing this one story of this one girl who was going to go to her flagpole, but no one else would go with her. They said, you know what? We're not going because people are going to make fun of us if we go and pray. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to get through school. I don't want to do this. And I remember this one girl, they had a, they had a, just a, 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 they interviewed her. It was amazing that she said, you know what? I knew there was going to be opposition. I knew nobody else was with me. I knew it wasn't popular. And they've had a picture of this girl all by herself, standing at her flagpole, praying for a school. And nobody else was with her. But she said, you know what? I'm going to make a stand for Jesus Christ. I'm going to make a stand for God, and I don't care if anybody else is going to stand with me. You see, 
that's the same attitude that Paul had. Paul said, listen, I'm not, I didn't sign up for this to get popular. Guess what? The Apostle Paul probably would not write a best-selling book. I don't think he'd be on the New York Times bestsellers list. Because how many people would want to read a book about persecution, being stoned, and come follow Jesus? It's a life that everybody wants to live, right? You're not, he's not going to sell a lot of books. But see, Paul knew that he didn't sign up for a popularity contest. He knew that he was laying his life down for Jesus Christ. I can remember when um, my freshman year, I was, they allowed college students to work at Kodak. My freshman year of college, I was able to be a roofer. So they gave us like the worst jobs possible. So I'm on the roof, just, just working as a roof. And I, it was just, it was not the fun. I mean, we had a mixed tar and it was just not the funnest job in the world. It was just basically just slave labor and let all the college kids do all the hardest things in the world. And we were moving tile. I mean, we were moving just patio blocks on the all industrial stuff. And, and I can remember going there and some of the guys asking, Hey, what are you going to school for? And so I was like, I'm like, well, I'm going to school to study to be a pastor. Oh, pastor. We, you know, and then they're yelling, we got a preacher on the roof. Here he comes. And they start calling me reverend, you know, hey, Rev, what's up? Preachers deserve you know, and then they would just talk more filthier, you know, when you're up there because they just wanted to rattle me. So I just call them all perverts and, and leave the room. No, I'm just, I, I mean, I just, they try to, and I can remember going home and just thinking, I don't want this. I mean, this is not, I could do other jobs there's other places i can work and not just be constantly mocked every single day and i can remember one night i was just praying and the lord just spoke my heart and said barton you need to endure this endure this for my name's sake i'll be with you i'll give you the strength and it was so funny because it was i it may have been the next year the day after i met another guy who was a roofer and he did a lot of the he, was, he drove the truck to move all the supplies around and stuff. And I remember this guy. He was this big, huge guy. And he goes, hey, man, come here. And I'm like, oh, no. What's he going to say to me? You know, and I'm not going to say anything to this guy because he could just pummel me. He goes, come here. He goes, uh, I heard you were a Christian. I said, yeah. He goes, I am too. He goes, I'll keep my out for you. They're not going to bother you anymore. <laughs> this guy went out. It was like I had the, the biggest, baddest dude, the roofer guy, just watching out for me. And we had great fellowship the rest of the summer. It was just God's way of saying, hey, Barton, I, I got your back. Don't worry. Just, just keep enduring this thing. And I, you know what? Um, I learned a lot that summer working on the roof. I learned hard work and what that in, endures. And, and, but I also learned that, you know what? Life isn't always going to be easy. It's not always going to be popular. I didn't sign up to be a pastor to be popular. You know what? We didn't sign up to follow Jesus to be popular. Sometimes it is going to get, be hard. Sometimes people are going to criticize you. Sometimes there's going to be a time where you're going to be at your jobs, or you're going to be with your coworkers, or you're going to be with your family, and they're going to say something off-color, or they're going to send you an off-color email, and you're going to have to make a stand. And you're going to have to say, you know what? I've got to leave this conversation. Nothing personal against you, you know, but I, I've got to leave this conversation. It's just not good for me. And you're going to have to walk away. And they may say, oh, yo, yo, you're a Christian. Or they may make, but you know what? You're just going to have to walk away and say, you know what? I can't be privy to this. Please don't send me those emails anymore. I just appreciate it. Nothing against you, um, but please don't send me those emails anymore. You're, you're going to have to make a stand. It's not going to be popular. You're going to, sometimes you're just going to have to make a stand on what's right for your life. And that doesn't mean that you have to grandstand it. That doesn't mean you have to say, okay, you guys enjoy your life in hell. I'm going this way, right? You don't have to, you don't have to be mean, right? 
But sometimes you're going to have to make a stand on what's right. And you're going to have to part from the world in some areas to allow your testimony for Christ to shine. So sometimes you're going to have to do that. And, it's, and sometimes it's not fun. But we have to learn that Christ will be with us. And when you make a stand and you go against the current, right? You go against the worldly stuff that's not good for your spirit, knowing that Christ is going to be with us and he's going to give us that strength to endure. That's why I love the end of that uh, uh, what I love about that chapter in verse 14 is that they continued to preach the gospel. They did not give up. Paul understood it was worth it. He understood the lengths that Christ went through to reach him. Christ gave up everything to save Paul. And Paul sums up his thoughts so well in, uh, in his letter to the Philippians. And let's just read that real quick and then we'll get on to the next point. But I love this, what he says to the Philippians 3, verses 4 through 11. He says... He says, though I myself have reason to be confident in the flesh. So he's talking about his former life. He goes, if, if anyone has confidence, it should be me, be me. If anyone thinks that he has reason to have confidence in who he is in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. Listen to what he says. He goes, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was a people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a, pers- a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. No one could point to me and say, nah, Paul, you weren't really good with making sure that you did all the right things of the law. Paul says, I was blameless. I was the man. No one could point out and say, well, Paul's not really a good Pharisee. No, they would point to Paul and say, he's the epitome of what it means to be self-righteous and to be a, a, a Pharisee. But verse 7, he says, but whatever I gain, I had, I counted as loss for who? For the sake of Christ. He goes, my former life meant nothing now that I am in Jesus Christ. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and counted them as garbage. He couldn't think of a better word. What's the worst word he could use? Rubbish, garbage. In order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law because he felt very self-righteous, very religious because he was obeying all these do's and don'ts. He said, that's not where you found your righteousness. He goes, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him, and the power of his resurrection and may show check one two okay we'll figure it out later So he says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and counted them rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul considered everything as rubbish or garbage compared 
in the comparison to knowing Christ. And so what Paul said, here's what he said, and here's what's hard for us to gain. All the criticism, all the persecution was worth it in comparison to knowing Christ. If that's what it means, then I've laid down everything because now I know Christ and that he saved me. And it's, it's worth it. You know what? The criticisms, the people making fun of me, it's worth it because now I know Christ and what he's done for me. And it's a humbling thing when, when you're able to go through persecution and maybe someone's saying something against you or why do you go to church or why has your life changed or how come you don't do this anymore and who do you think you are? And you know what? When we can get to the point where we say, Jesus, it's worth it because I've laid, every, I've laid everything down at your feet for your purposes. And when we can get to that point, we can say, Jesus, you know what? I really do want to know you. Not, not just know you in the good times, but I'm going to really know you through those times of criticism. That's when you really know him. And I know for me, just personally working up on the roof and being persecuted or just, just being mocked and stuff, I'll tell you what, I really drew a lot of strength from Christ because I could have easily lied. I could have easily said, well, I'm, you know, I could have easily said, well, I'm, I'm just going to a Christian school and so because I want to avoid all the persecution or avoid all the mockery. But you know what, when you get to the point where you say, you know what, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and you make a stand for him and people are going to maybe make fun of you, that's when you really get to know Jesus and you begin to count the cost and he will give you joy and strength to do that. Here's the second thing. Not only did Paul face criticism well, but Paul understood what it meant to suffer well. Now, that makes absolutely no sense to many of us. How can I suffer well? I think one of the most important things that we can learn from Paul's life is that he learned to suffer well. This makes no sense when we think about it with our earthly understanding. Paul understood something very poor, very important and dear, even in the midst of trials, he could still find reason to worship God and use that situation to draw him closer to Christ. Now, how, how many of you can relate to this? You know that you've grown closer to Christ through the trial that you've endured. We do, we just do. We just grow close. It's, it's just, it, God uses it. It's during those times that we learn a lot about ourselves. You will, you will know how strong a tree is when it has to endure a windstorm. If it has shallow roots, it's going to topple over it. If it has deep roots, it's going to remain strong. It's through adversity that we grow the most. We don't like it, but God uses it. And, and this is what Paul understood. There is something very interesting in the way Paul prays for his friends. Now, I, I want to dig into this as we just kind of wrap things up because it's interesting when Paul prays for certain churches, whether the Philippian church or the church in Ephesus, it's interesting what he prays for them during their trials in their circumstance. And I want to dig this out. There's a wonderful pastor in New York City named Timothy Keller, and he makes some interesting insights here about Paul's prayer for the church. It's very interesting. When he prays, it's not the normal prayer for God to change their circumstances. How many of you know that when we usually pray, the first thing that's on top of our prayer list is God, get me out of here. God, let this be over. Can I get an amen? That's usually 
I'm with you there on the top of our prayer list. Does it mean that Paul doesn't care about God changing their circumstances? I don't believe that that's true. I think Paul was looking for something deeper to happen in the hearts of his listeners. Can God change our circumstances in a moment? Yes, I believe he can. But Paul prays for something deeper for them. He prays for something much more important. So what what does he pray? Well, this is what he prays for them. During their circumstances, it's, it's during their circumstances and their trials, what he prays for them is not necessarily, hey, may God take your right out of that circumstance or may God do blah, blah, blah. But what he prays is that they would know him better through that trial. Thanks, Paul. Paul, can't you just pray that I'll get over this real quickly? You know, thanks, Paul. That's not really what I was looking for. But Paul knew from his own experiences what Christ taught him and how he grew closer to the Lord, he knew that it was through those trials and God allowing him to endure that he knew Christ in a deeper way. So this is what Paul prays. Paul prays that they would know him better. Now, here's the question. How many of us really pray that way? How many of us pray that in the midst of our trial, God, let me know you better through this trial? I want to know you deeper. People, listen, if you're going to be gospel-centered in your life, you've got to get this point. If you're going to grow deeper and your walk with the Lord, if your roots are going to grow deeper, you've got to get this point. You've got to learn how to suffer well, because if you don't get this, your, 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 your Christian life will be a mile wide and an inch deep. And that, that wasn't Paul's heartbeat for, for his listeners, and that's not God's heartbeat for you. He wants your roots to grow deeper, that he may inhabit your character, cause you to grow, give you more faith, so that you can have the blessings that you're really looking for, and the joy that you're really looking for. And, and you have to endure through these things if your roots are going to grow deeper. So here's, here's what he prays. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, that's not the way we really pray. But listen to what Paul prays. Ephesians chapter 3, I love this, verses 14, 14 through 19. He prays for spiritual strength. Listen to what he prays for the church in Ephesus. Sorry, verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches and the glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and through your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, Paul knows that they're going through some very deep hardships. But he prays this. He prays that they would be grounded in the love of Christ, that you may be strengthened with his Holy Spirit, and that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And through the trials, may God grab your heart to know him more. And the reason why Paul could pray this is because Paul learned this lesson. And Paul understood this very deeply in his own life when there was something that Paul was going through and he kept praying to the Lord for God to remove it and God said no. And God gave him a very interesting answer. Now, now, now here's, many scholars have tried to interpret this verse and I will give you the answer to this verse right now. We will answer the question to this. 
And here's the question. Paul prayed there was some thorn in Paul's life. And it's interesting the reply that Jesus gives to Paul. See, Paul understood this trial, whatever. It was burdening him to the point to where he kept praying, God. Now, Paul has seen amazing things. Paul is amazingly used by God. And here's Jesus' reply to Paul as he prays for this thorn to be removed from his side. And so you'll understand the way Paul prays for believers saying, hey, I want you to know the fullness of God. So he can relate to every believer that's going through a hardship and a trial. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Here is Jesus' response to Paul's request to remove whatever this thorn in his side is. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in power. Is that what it says? I just want to make sure all you are reading with me. Don't lose me here. It's made perfect in what? Say it. Weakness. Therefore, he said, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses. Now, here he goes. Are you ready? Weaknesses, insults, hardship persecutions and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay. What was the thorn in Paul's side? If anybody tells you what it was, just slap them. Cause no one knows the reason why I believe God did not give us the description of the thorn is so that it could relate to every single one of us. I believe that thorn was some, it was something specific, but it's not specifically told to us in the scripture. And I think for this reason, so that every single one of us could hear the very same thing that Jesus said to Paul, Jesus says the very thing to you and I, that in your weakness, I will be strong. I want you to know my grace in such a deeper way that my grace is going to sustain you through this thing. However long it may be, my grace is going to sustain you. God was showing Paul how, listen, Christ was showing Paul how to suffer well and not to waste it. And here's the question we need to ask ourselves. Am I allowing Christ to do a deeper work in my life or am I resisting it? So the question is, where, where are we today? What are we struggling with? What are we going through? What, what, what thing are we complaining about? What thing are we just, just it's, 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 a, it's a thorn in our flesh. It, it, it's irritating us. It's something that just gets us down. It's something that, that we think about constantly. Maybe it's your past. Maybe it's something you're going through. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's whatever it may be. There's something that's constantly going in and you're, you're going through it and you're just like, man, I wish this thing was removed. I wish this thing was removed. And we keep praying, God, I wish it was removed. Instead of praying, God, show me the fullness of your grace through this trial. God, show me... Christ in a deeper way through this trial. Christ, show me my weaknesses in a deeper way through this trial that I may depend on your grace even 
more. Does that make sense? See, that's where, that's where God wants to take you today. That's where he wants to take you today. He wants you to look at it with a different perspective. Instead of looking at the perspective of why isn't things going on? And then we complain. And what happens is, here's what happens. The more we complain about it, it becomes poison to our spirit. And the more we complain about it, the more it becomes poison to our spirit. And what begins to happen is we, we, we develop a critical spirit. And it poisons our walk with God because we get critical and, 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 and we begin to act in a critical way in a critical spirit. And God says, I want to take that critical spirit out of your life. I, I, if you would just allow me to show you something deeper through this trial, I'll show you my grace and I'll show you that it's sufficient. And I'll show you that even in your weaknesses, I'm going to be strong for you so that you may have steadfastness. That steadfastness is going to help you to endure. I'm going to give you the strength so that you will not succumb to the load that's over your life. So, so here's my challenge to you today. Paul, listen to me, Paul had to surrender. Paul had to lay that down and say, okay, God, I prayed three times. I'm going to lay it down at your feet. And I want to know your grace now. That is why Paul could write these churches and tell them, listen, this is how I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to pray necessarily that your circumstances change. I'm going to pray that you would know God's love in a new way. I'm going to pray that you would know the fullness and the knowledge of his love. I'm going to pray that God would grant you a fullness of his Holy spirit and power to endure those things that you may know Christ in a deeper way through those things. So here's what we're going to do. I want to pray for you today and uh, we're going to close in prayer. And I want you to just, here's the thing I want you to be reminded of. We can think of it two ways. We can look at trials and think, well, God, why are you against me? Why do all these things happen? Why are we going through this? And, 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 and we get down on ourselves or we can look at it like, okay, God, I'm going through this trial and I'm going to still worship you through it. It's not ideal. It's not perfect. It's not what I wanted, but I'm going through this. So I'm going to allow you to work through it and I'm going to worship you irregardless. And I want you to remind yourself that nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's not that God has left you. It's God is trying to show you something deeper. And I want, as we sing and as we worship, I want you to be reminded of the love of God, that nothing can separate us from his love, that he's not going to leave us or forsake us. And God's just saying, I want you to surrender. So as we sing this song, I'm going to open up the front open up the altar today. If you need to come and just pray and just say, God, I, I just need to lay my life down to you. Whatever you're going through, whatever trial it is, whatever, maybe whatever you're, you're going through, this is a opportunity. We're family here. This, this is, we're in it together. All of us are going through things. None of us are, are immune to this. And God is challenging us to say, surrender it to me. So as we do that today, I'm going to invite you to come and just pray and surrender that thing to the Lord and allow God to show you the riches of his love in a new and deeper way and allow his grace to sustain you today because that's what he's desiring to do. It wasn't that, that Jesus was mad at Paul. 
But he's saying, Paul, I want you to grow even deeper in me. And the way this is going to happen is through this thorn. That's how much I love you. And I've got to get to the point in my life where I'm saying, Jesus, you love me so much that you're allowing me to go through this for a purpose. Not haphazardly, not to harm me, not to bruise me, not to scar me, but that I would know you in a deeper way. Let your heart be softened to that, to allow God to do that in your heart, and he will. Don't resist it. Don't resist him. Let him work a deeper work in your heart today. Lord Jesus, as we bow our hearts before you, we pray today that you would allow those trials in our lives to be used for your glory. And I pray for every person here. I don't know what every single person is going through, but you do, Lord. You know what they're struggling with. You know what they're going through. And, Lord, I pray that, Lord, we as a congregation would would just as an act of surrender, just surrender our lives to you today. That we would ask you, Lord, to take this thing and use it for your purposes and your glory. Instead of saying, Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. Lord, I pray that we would say, God, how are you using this to change me that I might know the fullness and the riches of your grace and your love? God, let us look at it that way. And may we surrender this thing to you today for your glory, God, I pray. Touch your people, God. Let them be reminded of your love and be reminded of your faithfulness today. That you are for us and not against us that God, I pray that we would work with you and not against you. So help us to surrender. I pray out of active obedience that we would know your love in a deeper way and that we would know you in a deeper way. And we just thank you Lord for your care and your love in our lives each and every day. And we just ask these things in your precious name.